Broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College, we are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. All right, welcome back listeners to Closing the Gap. Today on the show, we have Patricia Martinez. And Patricia, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So yeah, my name is Patricia Martinez. I am a Peruvian. I moved to the United States in April 2002 with my little daughter, Romina, who was five years old. So yeah, my whole family is still in Peru. I had my mom, brother, and sister still uh, living in Lima, the capital of Peru. So I know you because you work for GAPS as a translator, taking English items and translating them into Spanish, and, and we're working together on the Hub's website. But you had told me that before you became a translator, you were an architect in Peru. Could you tell me a little bit about that career? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, I study architecture um, in the Universidad Nacional Federico Villarreal in Lima, Lima, Peru. And I graduated with my bachelor's degree in 1993. Yeah, that sounds like a long time ago. Um, then I worked with, uh, for a few years with my one of my professors from, from the university in his constru- construction company. But in 1996, I received um, an offer to work um, for a footwear. Um, they designed shoes. And because I was working with this company designing the windows for the shoes, they uh, offered me the job to work with them uh, designing shoes. <laughs> so because I have this background of designing, for my profession, they were thinking that it would be a good thing for them to have somebody with um, some taste and color and, you know, designing things. And uh, so, yeah, I, I say, well, yeah, I will take the opportunity. I don't know anything about shoes, but I will learn. <laughs> the opportunity was good. The, you know, the job offered me training outside of uh, Lima. They, they sent me to travel to South America and uh, Mexico and United States. And so, yeah, for until 2002, from 1996 to 2002, I was in charge of the ladies um, choose line for, uh, it was 200 stores in Peru. So I was in charge of the choosing the, the line and the purchases of choose for all of this so yeah it was very interesting I think the 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 part that I love about that is that I use my design you know knowledge and um, color and and shapes Um, so but but it was very interesting job that's quite a crossover between (laughs) architecture and shoe design do you have a favorite type of shoe Uh, really, I love shoes. I, you know, I think the person who offered me this position was because she probably saw me every day in the office with, you know, something different or 
you know. But my life changed so much um, that now I love my tennis shoes. <laughs> sure yeah a good pair of sneakers yeah for sure uh so were you able to keep working as a designer or an architect once you got to the states no um, unfortunately no i couldn't work as an architect in the united states because having a degree outside of this country um there were so many requirements to be able to validate my courses and credits so at that time that I moved, I um I, I supposed to go back to as an international student and really um it wasn't in my budget to pay for international student. And I think my priorities were to raise my daughter. I was 32 when I moved, so um and I know is I always say that it's no time for you to start a new a new profession or anything like that, but it was just very um my english was very limited too so it was other steps that i need to do before i was able to think even to go back to study you know mm, for sure mm -hmm. so was like was this like a welcome switch of careers or how did you even begin doing the translating work that you do now yeah um well the first thing was for me um the language barrier no so i went to lane community college in eugene because that was the first city that i moved from lima peru to eugene oregon big change big yeah. change no lima um was 11 it was uh, they have 11 million people <laughs> and i moved to eugene oregon with 300,000. so it was interesting um uh so uh, first, I went to study English as a second language for two years. I graduated uh, in 2004. But even with that, with that degree in your hands, it's not that, oh, yeah, I had a degree and I'm now bilingual. It's not that easy. I think the language acquisition and needs practice and needs, um, you know, Pull yourself, put yourself in the vulnerability position to make mistakes even now after all of these years. But um, I think that's the beauty of learning other language. I, th I think one of my biggest, if I need to say something that I, I appreciate is that I am very flexible with the idea of what I need to do or what I need to learn in order to survive, <laughs> in order to be, you know, to provide for my family. So that's what I did. And that's sure. how I become a translator. So I learned English, practice my English, um, mm -hmm. um, and then I applied for a position, yeah, as a bilingual assistant because I didn't have a position for a translator in those years, in 2008. Um, but um, I, uh, I knew that my Spanish is my strength. I, I study, you know, my whole life, my academic Spanish is my strength. So I, I knew that I can do that uh, and provide a quality translation for parents. What was the biggest challenge you faced between going, well, and also, I guess before I even start that, I wanna, I wanna know how you found Eugene from Lima because 
I mean, mm. I don't think I even knew about Eugene before I moved to Oregon. Somebody <laughs> knows someone else finds Eugene uh, yeah. so far away. Well, um, well, that's um interesting part. Um, so my when I went to college in Lima, one of my best friends, Carlos is his name. Uh, he, you know, he graduated, he had his family there, and then um, he say, I'm, I'm moving to, to United States because my family lives there. His family immigrated many years ago, and he was the only one living in Lima by that time. So he said, I'm moving, I want to be close to my family, and that was in 1999, and, but we were continuing being very close friends so mm -hmm. in 2002 I you know I emailed him I text him and I say um I want to go I want to I want to see if I can find a better opportunities for me and my daughter and that's how I end in Eugene Oregon nice. <laughs> I was I was I was uh in in United States and other states before I went to uh, Florida Miami specifically mm -hmm. or in Nevada, Las Vegas, because I was traveling for this company that sent me to, you know, train me and they choose war. <laughs> so uh, that's why I, I was able to travel, you know, to United States, but no specific to Oregon. So what were some of your biggest challenges, uh, not only in your career, in this career shift, but um, coming to a new country and having to learn the language and retrain into another career? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is that, um, you know, when I moved here, I was able to understand and read English. Mm -hmm. But the speak part, the portion of speak, it was the bilingual later because your brain needs that practice, no? Right. Um, so... I think the biggest challenge was that I had so many things to say, but I wasn't able to say it fast enough for other people to, to continue a conversation. So it was very frustrating because you know, if somebody was talking about history and I know I knew that part. I was like desperate to communicate, but my English was so limited. I think part of um, you know how I developed my English skills was because I was so frustrated with myself that I knew about the subject, but I couldn't say it, that I, I was determined to, to express my ideas and what I knew, or, you know, so it, it, I think that was the biggest challenge for me. And, you know, some cultural choking too, sometimes. <laughs> um, people ask me what part of Mexico was Peru. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yes. And so I say, you know, I explain the whole map. This is South America. This is Central America. Uh, this is North America. And, you know, for a few... Um, you know, a few times I explained that to people who asked me where I'm, where I'm from. And, but later, it was just so many times that I say south, very south. <laughs> what is Peru? <laughs> south to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> that so, sounds yeah. like it get frustrating. Yeah, because I don't know. It's maybe the geography no, is not a big, it's, it's not a big uh, subject here, you know, in schools. 
think that I think it's important, you know, because um, when you learn about other countries, when you learn about other cultures, is when you appreciate people all For over sure. the world. So, yeah. uh, but that's what what I experienced in those years. Um, probably in two thousand two, it were many less Latinos than now. Um, but um, yeah, but it it was it was something uh, something that is is good that you know like I it was very interesting to me like people didn't know about um Peru for sure um, it's, a, it's a pretty big country it's a yeah, yeah. <laughs> they knew a, a, a little bit about things but no 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 about where it was the location earlier you had mentioned um providing being able to provide quality translations to families can we discuss the importance of translation work in our school systems? Yeah, as a as a mom, in the other side, no, I I was the mom who had limited English, but I was anxious to participate in the education of my daughter, so I was part of the uh, that group. So for me, it was very important to receive a quality translation. I received, you know, during. The time that Romina was in school, she was in um she was lucky she she was in a school that provide translations, but uh in in most of the time the quality of the translations were good you know they 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 try they have a secretary who who can answer my questions in Spanish and um, I was a little anxious mom because I knew that it's this is a different world not only for me but for my daughter. Of course, kids learning, uh, kids learn other languages very fast. No, for her it took six months, and she was fluent. For me, it took longer than that. But um, it, it was very important, and I just feel, you know, sometimes if I receive something that it wasn't clear to me, or or has some, you know, spelling mistakes, uh, I just feel a little, you know, like uh, they didn't value myself they didn't value me or, or my opinion because you know it's it's I think it, it would be the same if somebody receives something in English that is poor quality with a lot of errors mistakes and sometimes those mistakes take you to uh, information that is not correct no right so, totally uh, so I, I was like, um, you know, like sometimes when I received those kind of, quali uh, you know, poor quality translations, I was just feeling, hmm, you know, or, or somebody didn't pay attention to this or didn't take the time to proofread this document or it was just like a little, I feel a little insulted to tell you the truth. Like, okay, so that means that because I speak this language, um, I am not going to realize that these are big mistakes, you know, and, and so um, I was in the other side. So for me, it was it's very important and, and, you know, that people make mistakes and, but um, in, in, our, in, our, in our school district, we try to make sure that no, I, if I translate something, there is another person who can proofread my document and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Because um, 
because it's language, no? And sometimes you, you can be confusing for some words or something, or maybe there is a, a better way to say something, no? So right. uh, that is something that is, is, is very important for me because like, as, as I say, um, I was in the other side and I, how I feel, it was very, you know, disappointed. So um, I tried to do my best with my translations and in how it's important, I think if I wasn't able to know what Romina was learning, I couldn't help her at home. I couldn't help her to uh, communicate her needs at the beginning. I was her advocate, you know, the first months I was, I was the one who say, no, she's not going to eat this food because we don't we don't eat that food. We eat this kind of food, and and uh, she's she needs uh, help to to do this homework because I'm not able to help her in this area. So how can I, how can how can you help my daughter? How can I do it? Uh, do I need to go extra hours during the afternoon? I will do it. So, but it was it was a parent who is the first advocate for their kids. No, even when he when she was older, and it doesn't it wasn't the it wasn't the language barrier. No, in this case was like. Oh, I want to take this class. Why? Oh, because it's easy or, or because this is a good class for you. It's going to be challenged for you enough, you know? So kids and parents are, are um, one thing. It's not separate. It's, I don't feel like the education is students are separate than the parents. Parents are the key of motivate their kids. But if the parents are not informed about the programs, about the, the resources, about uh, the grades, about the missing assignments and all of those little things, um, we are not allowing parents to be parents. And that's their job, you know, to be on top of things and advocate for their kids. Totally, yeah, I think, I think all the parents out there listening to this could definitely agree with you for sure. You know, it'd be it'd be hard to uh, not know what's going on in your kid's life and then have to like help them through things. Um, and I don't think it's like a, a very unique situation in our country. I've been reading this book and it, it's talking about how uh, about 20% of students in public K through 12 schools right now about 20% speak another language other than English at home, you know, so one in five students are going home and not speaking English. And I can't imagine how ineffective the education system would be if 20% of the students can't get help or their, their families don't know like what's going on. And, and there's not like that teamwork going on at home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, how does accessibility for non-English speakers create more of an equitable learning environment in that way. I mean, like if you're if you're able to like effectively communicate with people that aren't speaking English like fluently or well enough to really understand what's going uh, on with things that are being sent home. I, oh, I no. think I think <laughs> no, I think I think it's a good point because um, it's not only that is the rights for parents is the rights you know like mm -hmm. i didn't know i didn't know for a long time that there is a, a, a actually a law that you have to communicate with parents in the language of their preference i didn't know about that for a long time 
until I find this document and it, it was a document for the civil rights is the justice department together with the education department that mm -hmm. create this paper and says parents from other language has the right to be informed about the education of the kids of their kids so um exists no there is not only because it's it's the right thing to do no if, if you're a right. teacher if you are an administrator is because it's a law <laughs> and I didn't know about this after many, many, many years when I started working in, uh, as a translator in, in a school district. But as a parent, I didn't know. And I was just always feeling like, oh, they're doing this as a favor to me. But it's not really a favor. This is something that is by law, uh, civil rights and um, justice department and education department write this this document uh, so and besides that we want the parents being uh, our partnership no if you are a teacher if you are an administrator you want the parents be your best partnership with education because what you want is kids being successful in in in, in school mm -hmm. so you cannot have a partner if you don't communicate with a partner properly totally so it's it's not only for the students and the parents benefit to provide a good translation but it's the benefit for the school district and, and everyone else involved if you have like a, a school that's performing better they usually get better funding mm -hmm. right and get yeah. more attention in that way and, so and everything is one place. thing yeah and, and then you're going to have successful students you're going to have good citizens in the end no, mm -hmm. because kids that, that the, they decide to, you know, don't go anymore to school, what they're going to do? They're going to be in the streets looking for trouble. <laughs> so I think I think it's a benefit for everybody. Um and and that is something that um um you know sometimes we I, I talk with parents too because uh I work for uh, at the welcome center and uh, for the um, Greater Albany Public Schools, and we have parents visiting us, and that's a conversation with them too, no? Because sometimes we forgot as a parents, and I always say this, as a parents we forgot what was the what was your main uh, goal when you move with your kids here? It was oh, and then they will say, well, find a better future or find better opportunities, and well, I want my kids being better than me. And so sometimes because parents have to work a lot, one job, two jobs, et cetera, you know, because they have to provide for their kids, but they lose, they lose this goal. You know, the goal was to, to provide the best education for your kids because then they're going to have better opportunities and they're going to have better lives. So that's what I always say. Hey, how was your, what was your goal? Your goal wasn't work three jobs and make money to buy three cars. Your goal was to have kids that are successful in school, they're good people, they're learning the right things, they're, and they have the resources to survive independently. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, you know, both parts, school and parents. The, 
we need to be in the same page. Totally, and the schools providing a good, effective way of communication can help remind everyone why they're here and why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep that motivation up. So we've talked before about how like monolingual, like English speakers can tend to undervalue bilingual skills. And could you give some context as to why education systems need to invest more time into curating mm -hmm. these bilingual resources? I mean, we were just talking about how, uh, you know, it it's only benefits the students and the schools and everyone involved, mm -hmm. but um, it, and the fact that it's a law. Mm -hmm. But how can how can monolingual speakers mm -hmm. better value and see the value in mm -hmm. bilingual resources? Mm -hmm. So there is a difference between being bilingual. Mm -hmm. I can say, oh, yeah, I, I, I am bilingual because I can have a conversation with somebody in English. No, but being a translator interpreter in the school setting means more than that. You need to understand that any field, like a medical field, they have their own terminology. The legal field, they have their own terminology. The school system have their own terminology. And it's my big hope in the future that we have to, we have uh, certif certified bilingual uh, interpreters, translators in the school setting. Because until now we have certification for medical and legal field but not in the school setting. And there is a lot to learn in the school setting, especially education, for, ex for example. It has their own terminology, their own process. And in order to, to be a good interpreter, you need to understand what are you talking about? What is, this, what is, what is this? How is the special education system? And for me, when I go through the school district, I didn't know anything about special education. I didn't have a, a student in special education. And for that reason, I didn't know. I didn't know how is the process, you know, the, the evaluation process and the referral process and, and the meetings that, that requires to attend every, every year. Parents need to require to attend this school, uh, these meetings in order to write the goals for these students in different areas and especially education is huge is you know you can talk about um uh, people who has problems with reading with writing but they have other other kind of impediments so in order for me to be to to understand and, and do my job professionally i have to do my own research and go and understand what is a special education. I'm talking only one area, special education. So I have to go and investigate in my own time uh, or in the time that I have uh, working because I wanna be prepared for those meetings, no? So right. through the years, we create trainings for bilingual assistance now and created Albany Public Schools. But we're still looking for more trainings because there is a lot of things to learn. And mm -hmm. the more the more that you learn, the more that the bilingual assistants, um, the more in, you know, translators or interpreters learn, they're going to be more prepared and they're going to do their job more professionally. 
So sure. I think I think that is a big uh, thing. And, and, and people who is monolingual don't understand that, that yes, I am I am able to communicate, you know, whatever you say in English, but if I don't understand the terminology or or when they use acronym, they, they use all of all the time, you know, all of this, but is the parent is going to understand these acronyms? It's, it's, no, it's not going to be uh, a successful interpretation service if I don't, I, if I don't give the, the correct information. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, that, and that is something that uh, is very difficult to understand, uh, to understand you know, like uh, they say, but how, how can you can know working or, or, or give uh, um, the, or provide the right interpretation services uh, you you speak the language, you speak English and you speak, but I didn't know about the terminology. I need to be prepared for that meeting because mm -hmm. I want to I wanna use the right words. I totally. probably have to check the dictionary before the before the meeting, no? Yeah, and it's the, the fun part of this profession is that because we translate all the programs, all the letters, all, so we know everything. We mm -hmm. know exactly what is going on in the school because we are translating constantly about, uh, you know, what happened in this school and and what is this program about? Or what are the the resources that we are providing from? So it's it's um it's a very interesting job. I learn every day. Totally. I mean, I that makes so much more sense now that you explained it because it's not just the understanding of two different languages or like being able to speak to like two different groups of people. It's about understanding different cultures as well mm -hmm. is a big part of it. It seems like if you don't culturally understand like what special education is, for example, how are you going to communicate about it? I mean, I think that's a big thing because I, I mean, I didn't really think about it in that term before you had mentioned it. So I'm, I'm assume that maybe other people don't understand that as well. People that grow up speaking English and like living in United States, maybe just start taking things for granted that they just know inherently what certain things are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and um, it's, 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 you know, this, the special education uh, system is one thing. This educational system is another thing because we're coming and, you know, like I say, I went to school in Peru. Yes, I went to elementary, middle school, uh, you know, high school, college. Mm -hmm. But the educational system is different. It's even different the grades that we we have. We have a different system of grades. No, what is this? Uh, how we learn how to how we learn how to read and write in Spanish is totally different. How to learn uh, read and write in English? No. Mm -hmm. uh, we have different alphabet, uh, very similar, but it very is different sounds. You know, it's so it's it's different. It's different, and um, it it was very helpful for me to, uh, in in Romina in Romina's case, uh, her actually kindergarten teacher, she was trilingual. So oh, wow! So I was very lucky. 
<laughs> uh, she, she was so helpful with me. You know, I volunteered many, many times in her kindergarten class just because I want to know how, how is the educational system, how, how they teach English. Because when you learn English as an adult, it's very different than when you learn English as a child. For sure. So very, very, uh, uh, I was lucky in that way, no, that the teacher was very open to have me in the class, um, volunteering and learning at the same time of the educational system. That's great. What an awesome resource. What do you think can be done to help non-English speaking families and students become more aware of careers in STEM and skill trades? I mean, cause we, this is also, mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I should be talking about STEM and skilled trades, but um, we haven't really gotten around to that part yet. But what do you think can be done to better educate people that aren't speaking English? Well, inform about the programs will be, you know, some something like uh, we, uh, now that I was translating the website of mm -hmm. uh, Mid Valley um, STEM, STEM <laughs> CTA, um, I learned so much because I didn't know about all of these great resources for parents to do at home with simple materials, you know. Sometimes, sometimes we have kids that are very curious, they're very active, and we don't have we don't have ideas about how to, you know, okay, let's let's do this experiment. Let's, you know, and 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 now the resources are translated, uh, mm -hmm. so the parents can use it at home. I think, uh, I think what we need is more promotion about these resources because the the resources are already there in Spanish. But what we need is the parents to know about these resources, where to find these resources, and um, and don't be afraid to email uh, the director of. Uh, meet Bali because she speaks Spanish so she can answer questions so um, I I think I, I wish I could have these these resources when Romina was little because she was a very curious kid and um, and these uh, experiments and exercise and practices and you know with parents and students would it be a very good very good uh, resource for me so of all the things you've done so far in your career, what are you most proud of? Well, I'm very proud of my job with my daughter. <laughs> That's my, my biggest proud, you know, like I raised an independent woman. It was something very rewarding. But um, during these years, I think I... Something that it was very rewarding sees uh, some bilingual assistants during all of these years learning and becoming very proficient in, in their jobs. And like I say, one of my biggest thing in, in the future is maybe to create this certification for bilingual assistants in the school setting. Uh, and I think, the other thing that is something that is very rewarding is that we create the, the vetting process for bilingual assistance and GAPS. Um, previous, uh, you know, I started working in 2008 and after, and in that time they didn't have this test. So 
how did you know what kind of skills you are hiring? Um, so now we have that and help us to, to give this quality, quality. That's I always say, it's, no, it's just no translation. It is a quality translation and interpretation for parents. And we could continue creating these trainings for future employees, you know, for bilingual employees to, to don't feel so lost like I was feeling at the beginning. I was feeling lost. And I, for me, was like, okay, um, I'm in this position. I need to learn about this as much as I can because I want to do my job right. And probably my interpretation in 2008 it was very limited because I didn't know about the system. So now uh, when, when new bilingual assistants come into to GAPS, they, they receive this information. So that I think that is something that I, I feel very proud. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work for sure. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, um, how many bilingual assistants do you have that you're working with over at GAPS, Greater Albany Public Schools? Wait. So at the beginning, it was only bilingual assistants. Now we have bilingual clericals. We have bilingual office managers. Nice. We have bilingual custodians. So bilingual secretaries, no? So um, when, I, when I was hired in 2008, we were eight bilingual assistants. Now we have over 40. Oh, that's great. In, ma in many, many different, you know, departments. And we still need more. And <laughs> uh, 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 we're still looking for more uh, bilingual staff in general. I think students need to feel and see themselves in, in the staff that we have, no? We have 22% of... Uh, students and GAPS are identified themselves as a Latino, uh, Latinx, Spanish speaking. But we need to recognize that even if the student is fluent in English, their families are still English language learners. No, um, most of the time the students, you know, learn English very fast and they were able to communicate, but their families are not in the same speed. They still need help with communication. So I feel like the number is even bigger in, 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 the, time, in the ways that we need to communicate with parents. And, and that is something that uh, probably we will need in the college level too, no? Because yeah, the students are adults, but they always need, you know, the, the opinion of their parents. So maybe push a little bit, their parents push, hey, there is a program about this. Why you don't do that, you know? And I think that's the part that we're missing um, with uh, CTE um, careers. I think we, we need to kind of like explore more um, family nights with Spanish-speaking families and teach them what about these programs. And, and those are the ones who are going to probably talk with their students and, and push them to, to go to that journey, no? The path. For sure. Um, well, I, I totally agree, as I was going to say. Um, 
when I went back to school, my family was definitely like the people that inspired me to do it. You know, like mm. my aunt sat me down and we had a conversation. She's like, you're going back to school, right? I was like, mm-hmm. I guess so. And yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if it, it's, it's true. Like if you don't have someone that you can really trust to like sit down and be vulnerable and talk with, like, how are you going to mm-hmm. get that support that everyone needs? Mm-hmm. And they and they want to, you know. I I feel like sometimes a parent say, "I really want to help them. I really want to help my student, but I don't know how, and I don't have the tools, and I don't have the language, and they feel like they stuck." And and um, that is when the job of an interpreter and translator is so important because we are the bridge between between the specialists, the teachers, the administrators, and the, 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 the parents, no? So is there anything you'd like to, to promote? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how we could get involved with your Welcome Center at GAPS. Yeah, um, well, Welcome Center is an office, is, I feel that is the heart <laughs> of the district. Um, I work with amazing people, I, I work with uh, Javier Cervantes, who is the executive director of equity, diversity, and inclusion. So a part of being, uh, you know, feel included is language, no? And mm-hmm. um, so, and people in my office are so dedicated to help families with any needs you know the of course we we have about the academics so the student needs help with this area parents call us so we can call teachers or teachers to us so but um it's more than that i think uh, the the latino community in albany feel that this their the safe, their safe place. You know, they they call them for med. Oh, I don't know how to find a medical appointment for my kid, or uh, even for themselves. No, they they don't know how to um, to find some resource in the community, and and we are the people who connect this Latino, uh, our Latino uh, community, with resources in the community. So. Um, yeah, like sometimes I, I feel like we are the kind of like the counselors, the psychologists, <laughs> because sometimes parents call us, you know, very, very depressed for some situations that they have. And, and we are able to listen in their language and feel, you know, feel the empathy for them and find the resources. So, um, yeah, and, and I'm very lucky to, to work with people who who is very professional and very kind. Definitely. It sounds like a wonderful resource. You're doing a lot of good work. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, that kind of wraps up all my questions for today. Though I wanted to just thank you for taking the time to come on the show and talk about why uh, good quality translations and being inclusive with language in public schools is so important. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at MidValleySTEM.org. 
Until next time, keep progressing.